0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. We're going to talk about collectible condition in the vintage hobby. And that means different things to different people. Some people even disagree on where vintage begins. But I think vintage partly begins when you don't necessarily have the expectation that everything's a nine and a 10. And for many people, that's about 1980, where with tops being the only game in town, their quality control was not as fine tuned as it is now. Brian Flint, when you're collecting vintage, what's collectible condition mean to you?
1: Thank you, Dr. Beckett. For me as a set builder, it's really gauged on the condition of the set. I lean more toward lower end, mainly because I can get my hands on more and mark the numbers off the list quicker than I normally would. I'm not against something down in the two, three, four range. I don't necessarily want anything that's torn or stained or anything like that, but some wear is okay with me because that's really what I've constantly put my hands on and, and continue to put my hands on. So I'm not looking at it from the investment standpoint that I've got to have the highest grade necessarily. Just some good color, but some wear on it is is perfectly okay with me.
0: So you're mentioning it's a two or a three or a four. A two it does not conjure up thoughts of a great looking card. So if you're getting a two, you're able to give in some respects, but is centering or corners or edges or surface, what's the eye appeal that's grabbing you? in a two where that's acceptable in your uh, collection.
1: Yeah, when you're down in that level, you're you're not gonna find much in the way of corners. And I think you're gonna find a lot of wear on the corners for sure. I'm looking for decent centering, but more just some good color, not necessarily wear on the surface as much as, I'll take a little wear on the corners.
0: Okay. Good answer. Eddie Healy, you're not just an oil collector. You're an oil collector before they were even in the American League, especially when you're going back to tea t- cards and, and before. What's your position on
2: collectible condition for your collection? We you go to tobacco cards. For me, as long as it's been authenticated, I don't think I would ever buy a raw tea card. But for that kind of card, to me, it's the question of do I want it or not? It's not quite in what grade do I want it. If there's an option to get a jimmy sloggle from the baltimore orioles 1910 and it's a decent price i will look at that if i'm looking through a, a, a box at a store and it's got a bunch of 50s and 60s orioles or colts if it's a card that i'd like to have and again no tears nothing ob- obscene i'm not super picky if i flip through a box and there's a raymond Berry from 1957 let's do it as, as long as it's not ripped or torn i'm pretty low standard
0: okay so if it's otherwise mint, but as a bullet hole, that's okay. I don't know quite about the bullet depends hole. but Depends on the caliber of the bullet?
2: Exactly. Okay.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Jim Telford, collectible condition for you. You're a Clemente PC guy. How low are you willing to go? Or what are you really looking for in collectible condition for you?
3: When it comes to grail cards that you've rarely seen offered, you have to pounce on the opportunity that presents itself. From our previous conversation, 62 Sugardale was an example of that. It's probably going to grade a one when it actually is graded. But when you're talking about scarcity and you're talking about less than 20 cards that exist that are documented, you take what you can get. Generally speaking, because I don't plan on ever uh, selling my collection, I'm fortunate I'm in a position where I can pass this on to my son. It's interesting as things have ticked up now that it's considered a genuine asset class, I'm reevaluating my thinking somewhat because... I think it's necessary right now. It's nuts what's going on with fragmentation and all the money that's coming into the hobby. I'm pausing and, and, and reevaluating some stuff. But the stuff that I just enjoy that I've always wanted, but I've you know, seen once or twice in my life, I don't care about the condition, honestly. I think with pre-war cards, with 33 Gaudis, T206s, T202s, I've always felt as if threes and fours are are legitimate, at least for appreciation from a collector standpoint, I understand that from an investor standpoint, that probably wants to get bumped north of being a five or six. I guess the rule of thumb I was taught many years ago was if it's a card from the, the 60s, a six is great if you're a collector. If it, it's a five from the 50s and you're a collector, that's outstanding. But I feel as if that's a moving target. Even a couple of years ago, people would say, oh, it's a five. That's outstanding. I've got a, a Roberto Clemente 1955 tops, it's a six. You know, What happened with Golden Auctions just a few nights ago, the 55 Clemente PSA 9, it sold for 1.1, shattering the previous record of 465000 set in 2016. That is a reason for pausing and going, wait a minute, what's exactly happening here? There's so much change right now that I think that you have to be open-minded about that moving target about what is collectible, what is an, an investment card. And these days, I've seen a number of these mantle cards, the 52 tops that are in twos and threes and fours that are selling for six figures. That's nuts. That's unprecedented uncharted territory here. So I think uh, it's a moving target and there's so much happening in the last year. It's an exciting
0: time to be
3: evaluating that question for sure.
0: We've said all twos are not created equal. There's some twos that have outstanding high appeal and uh, that bullet hole, you can barely see it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I will tell you this, if you're ever trying to sell your uh, Clemente Sugardale, just advertise it as only 19 graded higher. (laughs) because I think there's hardly any of those out there. Just promote it because it's a very rare card. And I don't know that I've ever seen a five, a four. That would be outrageous if it was ever in the hot dog pack. So uh, Frank, Costella, give us your opinion about collectible condition, what you find acceptable, desirable, and what gets you going. What's your decision point?
4: I would say mine would be in the four to five category. I tried to uh, buy cards that did not have creases, but were well-centered. And if they had some corner wear, that was okay. If they had a little bit of surface wear or maybe a hairline crease in it, that was okay. To me, the eye appeal was more in the the centering than anything else. Although I will tell you, I I have bought uh, some of those lower grade cards like you're talking about. I got a a 53 Glendale Houdiman here. That's a one, but it's well centered. That's what happens when you look for cards like that. You're not going to find too many of those type of vintage cards in great shape. But normally I would tell you I look for fours and fives.
5: Okay, Kevin, what's your
4: collectible condition acceptability? I guess I'm
5: an outlier when it comes to this. Even though I have a graded card in my hand, I've never graded one of my own. If I had to pick anything in terms of vintage, it's a centering. I just think of centering corners, edges, surface. In terms of eye appeal, no, this is come on, couldn't you cut this straight? But again, because I'm just a collector. And I'm not looking for the number four or five. To me, the 71 Rose, it's got creases. This brings back the memory of what I was doing with these cards in 1971 that a lot of us were doing, that were just collectors. We were putting in our bike spokes for Pete's sakes. And if there's something wrong about a 71 tops baseball card, if the corners are not dinged. So again, everything is in the eye of the beholder. But for me, in terms of vintage, in terms of collectability, to have some creases, and again, because it goes back to our childhood and those great feelings that you know, there is some appeal to. In some cases, when it, if it would get slammed, I'm sure the company will say, "No, we're not even going to give this a number." Okay, Kevin, you obviously think centering is the most important for you. What's the least important? Yeah, I guess that's a tough one because again, I I don't spend my time worrying about all these. But I, if I had to pick one, Jim, I would probably pick. The edges. I think the corners, oh my goodness. Again, in terms of quality, and if you're looking at it uh, from any type of investment standpoint or passing it on, oh my goodness, the corners. Surface, yeah, there's got to be some eye appeal. So
4: I'd probably pick the edges.
0: Okay. That's a good answer. Frank Costello, what's the, what's the highest
4: and the, the lowest of those? Uh, highest for me is centering and lowest is corners. Okay. Why corners? To me, dating back to when we were kids and putting them in shoeboxes, you were dinging the corners, you were handling the card. So that wasn't a big issue with me. I I always just like a well-centered card. If it had a few corner dings or a few corner creases, that was okay. Not a big deal. It shows wear, it
0: shows love, perhaps. Okay, Jim Telford, best and worst of the four grading subfactors.
3: You know, compartmentalized for the most part when I think about if I'm talking about just a tops card, for instance, corners are going to be the first criteria that I'm going to look at. But recently I've been really annoyed with my 54 tops, Williams and Aaron, that are extremely miscut or off-center. I don't think it bothered me as much prior to Beckett starting to do grading in PSA, but now it almost seems as if no one appreciates that miscut off-center stuff. But with the food issue cards, I'm an oddball collector, not just with Roberto Clemente, but clearly there's a lot of food-issued cards that Clemente has. That 62 Sugardale that we were referring to earlier. That was legitimately used as a hot dog stiffener at the bottom of a hot dog package. So you've got the staining and the, the meat juices that are in there. And for me, I genuinely appreciate that because it almost adds to the authenticity. Yeah, I suppose it'd be great, exceptional to have a, an amazing, pristine copy, but there's something about the raw authenticity of food-issued cards that have some staining related to the food. It's also why I love Cracker Jack cards. I've got a Honus Wagner Cracker Jack that's very stained up. And a lot of people might not appreciate that. But for me, I genuinely appreciate it. But for the food issue cards, I have one standard. But for most of the modern or I would say post-war cards, corners would be number one and then centering.
0: Okay. Eddie Healy, what do you think? You're, you're at last time on our episode, we talked, your cards were gem mint. <laughs> so Eddie, <laughs> are your dad's cards anyway, but what's most important to you? Uh, and what do you think is least important of those four?
2: Yeah. So for me, it's a part of what I can ascertain with my own eyes. So I guess when I was growing up, my dad taught me to always look at the corners. To me, it's pretty simple to tell me have the card, yes, these corners are, are dinged or no, they're not. Honestly, I really only recently learned that centering was a valued trait in a card. So for me, I think I can obviously tell if something's pretty centered or very off, but anything in between, my eye's not trained enough yet to really be able to appreciate a centered or off-centered card. So I think that for me is a little less important right now. So 70-30,
0: maybe. Okay. Brian yeah. Flynn,
2: Brian, what's most important and least
0: important to you?
1: I think for me, most important is surface. I like good color. Corners, similar to Frank are, are, are least important. And I think, and similar to Kevin as well, that nostalgia of of having that card in your childhood and what condition it would would it be in if you still had it now, that kind of thing is what really uh, gravitates me the most.
0: Thanks, guys. That was a good treatment of of, of what I think is a tricky topic, and we had different perspectives. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, listeners. We'll be back again with another episode. We'll deal with another hopefully interesting topic that's helpful to you listeners. So thanks, panelists. Brian Flynn, Eddie Healy, Jim Telford, Frank Costella, and Kevin O'Keefe, Be back again tomorrow with another episode.